Under a microscope, you can see an amoeba, one of the simplest life forms on the planet, move towards a food source. There's motivation to act. And at the same time, if you put a drop of sulfuric acid in the environment, which ultimately would kill the amoeba, it'll move away from it. At a basic level, we can see, even for the most simple organism, that a part of being alive is to move away from pain and move towards pleasure. Hi, it's John. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. Today, the podcast is about change and even this concept of growth. We all want it, but a lot of the time we simply won't get it. We remain stuck. So let's have a look at some of the possible reasons why. And I've also got my first question from another podcast that I'll address at the end of this episode. The amoeba example is pretty simple. Let's have a look a little bit closer to home. When you're sitting there trying to get your work done, maybe it's a new project that has your name on it, and you stop to check Facebook, your email, you're essentially mirroring the same process. So here we have a trade, and most of the trade is happening subconsciously. The pain, in this case a subconscious fear of exposure, fear of getting the work done, fear of putting it out there, self-doubt is running in the background, and we decide to swap it for pleasure. In this case, a dopamine hit in the form of distraction. We'll also see that we find the same dynamic, of course, in larger scales, where the project is perhaps a personal change, a development, or a shift in our life and how we're living. So in the macro sense, we've got this concept of growth. Maybe it's a business, a project. Maybe it's running a big event. This brings this fear of exposure or vulnerability, vulnerability which basically is this little, little thought running through the head. I don't know what I'm doing. And if I add this level of accountability or exposure, then I could be in trouble. This, of course, can lead to anxiety, doubt, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage runs in a lot of different ways. Even things like overwork, running ourselves into fatigue. Or we make the project so big and complicated that it will never succeed. Or the project is so broad that we're trying to serve everyone. And again, it never will work. So in this case, the pain, this subconscious fear of standing out, of being exposed gets traded for a lesser pain, distraction, anxiety, frustration, burnout, which in this case is the lesser of two evils. So we're still moving away from the greater pain. In this macro situation, we have this concept of growth, which by definition is going to need a new set of behaviors and beliefs, which means by default it's going to bring a new fear of exposure and change. And we move into a relative pleasure or a smaller level of pain. These are the little distractions or complaining or talking about it, intellectualizing the whole thing. Carl Jung had a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase here. We're all walking in shoes that are too small for us. 
What he kind of means, I think, is that we're all living in ways that are below our potential. Why is that? Well, if we were to level up, it means to confront this exposure to our peers. One of our most primal fears. This fear of exposure is interesting too. It's a concept that we all share and really seems to be a fear of showing our full selves. Not just our light side that we're happy to show everyone, but our shadow, our dark side too. I'm going to do more on that in a future podcast. So to change or to create, let's call it a new normal, really, in this inner world perspective, is to change behaviors and patterns. And it also means to be able to see these patterns, to see that here, as I confront this distraction that I've got in front of me, I either become a repetition of my past narrative, my past behavior, my past dynamics, or if I don't, then I have to face the trauma of detaching from who I believe that I am as I step into this new way of being. The trauma that occurs with doing something different that might lead to growth and, yes, will lead to more exposure. We can see the original drive for change comes from a couple of avenues. This idea of desperation, such as I need the food, or from courage, kind of like a move towards inspiration. Of course, when we consider our narratives or belief systems, it gets a little bit messy, but let's try to have a look anyway. So in the America's Cup, which is a high-end yacht race, relatively recently, around 2012 or so, there was a switch from boats that sailed on the water to boats that floated, lifted, or technically speaking, foiled above the water. You can see a little video in the show notes. It's worth checking out. It's pretty cool. And this shift was driven by Team New Zealand, who figured out a workaround on the ruling of the boats at the times uh, of that race, and they created the first foiling catamaran designs in 2011. And they kept it really secret because, of course, you want to keep it as secret as long as possible to try to gain an edge on the competition. And the shift from sailing a 72-foot catamaran on the water versus foiling above the water is immense. So there's this huge potential for failure in this first design or this first generation. However, the interesting thing is in this domain, in the America's Cup, there's been extreme innovation since the beginning. So the cost or pain of staying the same is really, really high. The whole country is watching and there's this tremendous positive peer pressure to innovate. So courage was the driver. It's worth noting, again, in this situation, the designers, the engineers, the whole of Team New Zealand, they could be seen. They were seen by the country at large. It was a positive peer pressure to move through this fear of exposing themselves. It was better to innovate and be seen and even perhaps fail than it was to hide and surely face a slow demise as a team. Some online courses that are available have over 100,000 participants, massive. But many of them have over 95% dropout rate as well. Some of them even over 99%. When we enroll in an online course or a group to level up, we're looking to grow. But instantly we can see, when we look at the dropout rate and wonder why it's so high, that in this format, it's the opposite to the America's Cup. You can't be seen. You're not exposed. Nobody is watching. So this means there's no positive peer pressure. 
We get to instantly move away from the pain which could come from completing the course and moving to a higher level of accountability and move quickly towards a dopamine hit, the pleasure. The pleasure of maybe enrolling in a new course, of checking email, of checking social media, of going out, of just not doing the work, of quitting. In this situation, we're not seen. It can happen very easily. There's no positive peer pressure to keep going. When I first learned to paddle what's called an ocean ski, it's kind of like an ocean kayak that you sit on. It's really tippy. They use them in ocean races. The model was an Epic V10L. The L stands for low volume. So it's a lot, it's a really tippy version of this, easy to fall out of. So I was dropped off by a friend off the coast of New South Wales in pretty rough water. And these things are already tippy enough, but the waves are coming in, peaking up. Then they'd hit the cliffs and bounce back and you'd get these little peaks and troughs that would disappear and form all of a sudden. So it goes without saying, I was in the water more often than not. I fell in the water probably a hundred times. Eventually I was drifting closer to the cliffs. I got so desperate that my body the brain forced to change, forced this level up. The stress was high enough that it created acute learning pattern. And this we can see in long t- longer time frames as well. But the desperation was enough to create change. Again, too, there was a positive peer pressure in this case. So whenever we were amongst others in this situation included, I was seen in my struggle. So to fit in, to to fit in with the group who could paddle, I had to learn to paddle or else I would stand out. So change is driven by courage, desperation, or both. Why? Why not just the desire to level up? What is the courage involved? What is so hard? Well, to step into the change and growth. When we think back to our primal fear of exposure, we're really going against one of the main dynamics of what it means to be human. Humans, like all animals, seek safety. And traditionally, the safety has come from not being seen, from being in the pack or the group as a survival mechanism. To be picked out and noticed, then, means potentially to be ostracized from the group and to stick with the narrative we already know, although maybe limiting, means we can go along unnoticed. We may not move upwards, we may not grow, but we survive. We feel safe in what has become the old normal. When I owned my first business, a running retail store, a specialty running store, we sold specialty running shoes, triathlon gear in Sydney. I would constantly meet people and I love talking to people, finding out about their training, their journey. And they'd say things like, yeah, I'm getting back into it, or I want to do this trail race in September or this triathlon. And yet so many of them don't. And of course, this is reflected in much of the health industry at large. In a lot of the gyms, a lot of people are motivated around New Year's time and New Year's resolutions, and they inquire and they say, I want to do A, B, and C, and I'm really motivated. And then this will even carry into the joining of the gym itself, becoming a member But then in the industry at large, only a few people continue for that longer game results, that sort of three to five year period or more. And the others all dropped out, drop out. So why is it? Why don't they continue as well? 
when we look at these questions, what we're really asking is, how do we spring into a new normal? How do we embrace this uncomfortable adaptation that comes with changing our narrative, with changing who we are? Well, one way to think about it is to look at it as a trade and look at it the other way. Why does it make sense to stay the same, to keep playing small? Well, when you join the gym, there's a cost in succeeding in this journey. There's a cost in this, ja- in this change. And the cost associated with the change is the current story or narrative that you have. Maybe it's about your health, your strength, your posture, or even a narrative or story that you might have around living with a bit of pain in the body, talking about the pain in your back. This narrative will no longer work. It would be extinguished if you were to continue and get the results that you're after. So the cost of change is that now you have to move into a new narrative. You're out on your own. You're responsible, and you may even be distancing yourself from other parts of the old narrative. You might be distancing yourself from friends that used to go out drinking every night, or most nights during the week, or a habit of overworking and staying back late with people in the office tiring yourself out. So in these other peer groups, you're now exposed. You're doing something different. You're not protected anymore. You're exposed as you stand alone because now you're going to the gym and you're embracing this new way of living. Furthermore, if you really commit, if you really lean into the new environment, there's this little chance as well that you might fail. The old pattern might repeat and you might drop out. So again, you would then be exposed into the new community as well. So the benefit, those are the costs. The benefit, of course, is living pain-free, feeling stronger, feeling healthier. In other instances, the benefit is enjoyment, a richer life, more fun, more happiness. In particular, the benefit's usually related to status. So in this case, we'd be seen as more active, more fit, more well-rounded. So in adaptation, the creation of a new normal over time, we've got this complex web, this complex ebb and flow, push and pulls, desires, pains, and pleasures. And overall, for the adaptation to occur, there has to at some point be this movement through emotional fear. So yes, we can see that there's a stress associated with stepping into a larger life. Once the America's Cup boat's announced, there's more accountability, there's more at stake, more threats from the external environment, the media competition, more exposure, more stress. It is also in a way an exposure of part of ourselves that we might normally hide, our shadow self, our masks, even on a small level, the mask of vanity, the mask of ambition, our desire to look good, the mask of the achiever, to conquer, to rise above previous versions of ourselves, or of course to conquer, rise above another person or a group. Once we engage to level up or to grow, this mask is announced. For myself, I had a conversation with my mentor, my coach, Cole, recently and we discussed one of my masks, one of my own tactics, one of my ways of not standing out. We called it the mask of the chameleon. It was a pretty interesting conversation. There's a mechanism of blending in. I could remember this mask coming in about five or six years old and the way it would unfold is 
this ability to notice the environment. So notice people around me acutely, changes in facial expression, changes in breathing, changes in energy levels in the room. Noticing these really acute changes. And then from there, I'd be able to adjust or reflect tone of voice, ways of being to fit in or to conform in the room or to adapt to the situation. So I'd also use it in job interviews, working with people in the running store who would come in. It would keep popping up. So if you think about it kind of like a a superpower on one side, it's means that for me to change, to learn a new skill, I would simply become this chameleon, bring the mask out. And of course, it would all happen subconsciously. But it makes sense. It makes sense for me to have a mentor, a hero, a tribe, where my mask of the chameleon, my superpower, if you will, just comes out and helps me to adapt, helps me to learn and implement things at an okay level pretty quickly. Because the downside in these situations of not leveling up is to stand out amongst this little group. So for me, that's why I've always looked for a mentor. If we're invested in this mentor or a friend or peer group or tribe, then if we want to fit in here with them, then we have to level up. We're forced into it. So of course, though, each superpower has its downside, its darkness as well. You know, for the chameleon, this way of adapting changing, observing, noticing, and then adjusting can be great to fit in, but also times it becomes a mechanism to hide, to avoid conflict, to not stand out. And yes, of course, this has and can lead to a lot of times of darkness, and many that I've experienced myself. Looking back, this avoidance of conflict has definitely been in play. So when we approach this dialogue of starting something new, then we need to be aware that we're bringing a lot of narratives in with us. For me, it's a chameleon. For others, it's other masks, other narratives. We all have different ones. And then we need to be aware of this move between pain to pleasure, what's happening on all sorts of different time domains. For example, when we talk about growth, it's really fun. It's really fun to talk about it. It's fun to intellectualize it. It's even fun to start it. But then for a lot of people, it's really fun to quit it. Why? Well, to start to talk about things like this is exciting because it's flirting with the shift in our narrative. It's kind of flirting with a little micro death of part of us, this change of our narrative of our story. It's flirting with this idea of exposure. But then to quit is fun too. It's fun to move away from pain that we're in when we are forced to make these changes and move back towards pleasure, towards distraction, towards hiding. When we understand that to create change or to grow, whether that's a physical growth, say fishing an Ironman race or triathlon or learning to paddle, maybe it's professional growth, starting a business, or maybe it's growing in our own relationships. When we understand that this is kicked off by action, that's how it really starts by action, but then dictated by how we deal with our emotion and our tendency to return back to our safe place, our distractions. When we understand this process, then we can start to see our own bigger patterns. When we see our patterns, we can shine the light of awareness. So if we decide that our pattern isn't suiting us, 
through this awareness, we can find some support. We can find a group. We can find a tribe. We can choose a new narrative. We can create a positive peer pressure. In the first episode, I spoke about this concept of starting with a capital S. And one of the tools was, of course, the cohort or the team. What we're really doing here, though, as we dive deeper, is looking at the shift from pleasure to pain. We're saying, okay, cool. We see and we like the fact that you also like this idea of growth, of leveling up. You like this idea of finding your potential. Well, if you join in with us or you hang out with us, we're going to hold you to that agreement. We're going to elevate you and we're going to elevate the power of your word. This means when you start to do things that are involved with making change, when you start to take action and when, not if, but when you start to shy away from the pain by creating the distractions that we know will be coming, we're going to support you to withstand that pain or discomfort. We're going to be there for you. We're going to support you, encourage you, and help you to keep going through this. As you move through, we'll show you that this feeling that you've got and the bringing back of these distractions, these different ways of hiding, are mostly just feelings that come when you start to expose yourself to a higher level of accountability, a higher level of responsibility as you level up. That's it for today's episode. So I got a question in from the first episode, which was starting with a capital S from Matt in Adelaide. So Matt asks, I travel a lot with work. I find myself outside of comfortable training zones that we tend to like to be in. And I'm not around a consistent group or tribe. It's a reason I find it hard to keep momentum up with my training. So I've been back running in the past few weeks, which is good, but it gets boring. Any basic tips to steer me back in the right direction? So Matt, from what I understand, you're asking because you're traveling and you're alone a lot of the time with your work, you don't have this option of being part of a collective or a tribe very frequently. So when we're talking about exercise or or training in this case, it's difficult because one third of those aspects that we can use to start with a capital S necessity, urgency, and the cohort. The cohort part is missing. So you find yourself by you on your own and trying to get back into exercise. Anyway, so exercise, this is a great question, and exercise is a really interesting one because in many cases it's socially determined. So this means that if we put ourselves on a desert island, we typically would be active but we're not going to be exercising hard. There's not that big of a reason for us to expend more energy, more calories, as it's a drain on the local resources. We find that a lot of the different modes or ways of exercising or training are because we become involved in a collective or a group or it's a form of conditioning. And that's cool too. So we can check this out. If we look at the other extreme, wherever we find high-level athletes, whether it's American football, NFL football, surfing, CrossFit, we see that almost every time there is a really strong culture. 
even back in the day before there was internet, social media, we still had the narrative of the local community or the country at large. So, you know, for the great cricketers or in baseball or whatever the sport was back then. So for you, if you want to keep up a higher level of training and you're on your own and you're not part of this culture, it's going to be very hard because it's not a positive peer pressure. So people talk about having this intrinsic form of motivation, but usually they're playing lip, ser- paying lip service to it and they're still part of a broader culture, whether offline or online, so it's easier said than done. To me, I feel that if you want to keep up a higher level of training, then you need to become part of a culture that elevates the status of this way of exercising or this way of being, or at least be part of a culture that elevates the status of achieving your goals. So nowadays, an online community is a great place to start, and it's a really good way to cultivate this positive pressure if your offline community doesn't support it. Of course, we see this with things like the CrossFit Open. This year, 2019, got uh, 357,000 participants from all over the globe. So to round that out, my offering for you would be if you continue to travel, you want to be involved in higher level exercise or higher level training, and there's not an offline group of people nearby, knowing what we know about exercise and high-level training that most mostly is driven by the culture, I would strongly encourage you to find that culture, find that tribe. Uh, if it's not offline, somewhere nearby, then find one online or create your own online. Thanks again, Matt. That's it for today. If anyone has any questions on this episode or a previous one, Send the question through to john at johntmarsh.com and I'll cover it on one of the future episodes. See you next week.